You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? This is the Talking to Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey. Here with my co-host tonight, Dalton Miller. Uh, Cole Patterson is not with us tonight, but he's just at work, so he'll be back with us next week. Uh, We have a loaded show today. We are going to uh, preview the uh, Seahawks game and review the Falcons game uh, from week two and preview the Seahawks game coming up in week three. Uh, Before we get started, because we have a ton to talk about, Dalton, you doing all right tonight? I'm doing all right. I just saw your uh, your Twitter, the the dude saying that he would like to trade Dak straight up for Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz. I yes. feel like there might be a motive there other than uh, Dak being, you know, a, a quarterback that he doesn't want. I can't quite put my finger on it, um, but I'm thinking that it has something to do with uh, where he's from. Anyways. Um, other than that, I'm doing great. The Cowboys won. It was a very improbable win. And by very improbable, I mean, they had a 0.1% chance of winning that game with three minutes to go. Um, I was, you know, I was out, but I was socially distancing. I was out with my wife. We were watching it on a, a big screen outside, um, having a couple drinks, some queso, and, uh, I was going nuts. Uh, we left, we did actually leave before the game ended. Uh, we left when they were down by 15 late, you know, in the, the fourth quarter. And mm-hmm. instead of watching the game, which would have maybe killed me, um, I got to drive home uh, and listen to Babe and Brad broadcast the game. And honestly, I can't think of any better way to go about it. Yeah, it was a roller coaster of an emotion game. Uh, you went from, I think, everybody wanting to turn the TV off and not watch anymore or leave wherever they were at and not watch anymore to, I think everybody, you know, like you said, just being so filled with emotion and excitement that it was like, Oh, this is the greatest game ever. Um, and I do want to go ahead and put that out there. Like Cowboys one of, you know, one in week two, they pulled out a really, really awesome victory, but like, I still don't think this football team is where it needs to be. Um, and that's something I said, at the end of the podcast a week or two ago, I talked a little bit about kind of like how the team kind of has always carried this like entitled, like attitude about them. And they, you know, they think they're good. They're always going to be optimistic. 
And like, I think that that's one thing they need, like they have to realize that there's room for growth and room for improvement. And I think they do, but I think in the back of their minds, it's like, Oh, we're still the Cowboys. So we can drop a Like, like even Jerry's interview today, we're going to get into the Falcons game, but like Jerry was on the radio uh, today, which is it's Tuesday. This will come out on Wednesday, but he was like, yeah, Tyron Smith could have played this week, but we rested him because we wanted him to be good for the future. It's like, how are you going into, I mean, I get it's week two, but like, how are you going into any football games right now with how inconsistent your football team is and going, we can rest one of our best players because we should still be able to beat this team without them. Like, that's just a weird mindset to, for me to kind of see the owner, you know, tell the public. Yeah, that was, that was complete and utter bull crap. You think he couldn't yeah. have played or you no, think he's. Listen, like he probably could have played. But, like, at the end of the day, would he have been better than Brandon Knight banged up? I mean, what was the long-term status if he were to get injured? Like, I don't know what's going on with Tyron. At this point in in his career, I mean, it's been five years now. All he's done is miss three games a year, every single year for the past five years. So I don't expect him to play a full 16. Now, I wasn't expecting to not have either tackle. Um, I also wasn't expecting to necessarily win that game once I did know that both of the offensive tackles were out. So it was a little bit of an added bonus, but man, that the Falcons defense just wasn't very good. No, no. And I mean, I, I think I said this to you on Twitter before the game, like if there was a game that the Cowboys had to miss their two tackles, their tight end, and everything else, like, I was like, that's probably the one we should be, you know, like, I'm not saying I expected them to win, but, like, that's the one of the few games on the schedule where I'm like, okay, I, I feel decent about their chances going in at those positions because of who's lining up across from them. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I think that if they were going to do it, it would be that week. Now, I I don't feel great. About then, and I'm sure that we'll talk about it. But at the end of the day, this is going to be just a, another offensive slugfest, I think. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get on into that. But I do want to talk about this Falcons game a little bit. Um, I know it's still on the minds of a lot of fans and a lot of people. So we want to kind of give our takes on the game. We've watched, both of us have watched all the coaches' film probably multiple times and been through everything. And, and I, I wanted to start with the defense because. There's been a little bit of misconception, I think, about the defense because I don't think the defense played good by any means. But I think when you fumble the ball five times or, you know, you fumbled five times, but gave it to them three times. You have two failed uh, fake punts. You turn the ball over on downs like you put the defense in an awful spot for a lot of that game. And did they play? Did they handle it? Well, I wouldn't say well, but they I think they did better than I would have expected if you would have told me what happened in that game after the game with the people that they have on defense. I would have went, wow, there's no chance like they gave up 39 points, but I would have thought there would have been more points scored by the Falcons if I knew everything that had happened after the game. Yeah, and I mean, if you look just at their their DVOA as a defense, they're they're fifteenth. Like they're just right, right there, smack dab in the middle. And like you said, when you give up three turnovers, when you, and then you know, on top of that, you have the two fake punts as well. It was a uh, it was a battle of terrible field position, and they ended up 
coming out on top of it and they, they came out on top of it because of their offense. And, you know, there was a couple plays defensively that really turned the tides and allowed that comeback to happen. Um, and I think the, the biggest one was uh, Trayvon Diggs uh, able to uh, get back into position on that deep ball over the middle of the field uh, and almost intercepted, probably right. should have been intercepted. Um, he got beat on that play. And and I said this on Twitter when, when I was watching the, the tape of this game and, you know, last game even. He just – he plays incredibly hard. And for a guy who, you know, he's a rookie, he's a second-rounder, um, there is a reason he was a second-rounder. Uh, it's really nice to see him kind of come on and, and play really well against the run because there were times in college where he struggled with that. Um, there, he really struggled at times, you know, uh, transitioning and, and flipping his hips and, and, you know, breaking on, on balls. He has the ball skills once he gets into position. It was consistently being in that position to mirror and match guys and man coverage. Um, and from what I've seen so far, uh, he's done a, a very good job of that for a rookie. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I've been, you know, again, he's given up some plays, which I think everybody kind of expected that going into it. Um, but I think he's also probably been one of your more consistent cover guys. Um, Cheeto's still having some, I mean, again, it's what year four for Cheeto, and you're still seeing a lot of the same things in year four that you saw in year one. And you just haven't really seen him make that jump that we thought he would. Um, Jordan Lewis, I thought, had a horrific game in coverage. Um, he got beat a ton. He came up big on a, a third down late in the game to to make a stop before I think I think it was before the uh, too many men on the field penalty where the he, him and um, I think it was Xavier Woods came up and make made the stop short of the sticks. But I mean, I thought Lewis had a really bad day in coverage. Um, I thought Cheeto had his struggles. Um, Daryl Worley had some struggles. He gave up a touchdown. So you know. Right now, I think you're looking at Diggs. And when did Worley probably, give up a touchdown? Uh, it was the one. I don't know if it was Gage or Ridley in the end zone. It was only. A, I don't know. It was. It, you posted it earlier, and somebody was like, "No, no, no that was Lewis. It was not. It, it wasn't Worley." Sure. I'm positive. Positive. I I went through and I went frame by frame, and I got in the end zone view and blew the picture up, and it was two six Lewis. Okay, it was I not Worley, was... and and you know I, I will say there was two plays that I really saw from Worley. It was the the really nice break on the ball that should have been intercepted. Um, that was just a really good anticipation of what uh, Matt Ryan was going to do there. He broke on the ball. He made a really really nice play there, um, and then he got beat uh, like the next drive pretty badly. Um, so it's you know kind of the good and the bad. They're switching guys in between him and Darian Thompson uh, at safety. So that's kind of it. That kind of is what it is. I wanted to bring up Xavier Woods because I thought he was excellent in this game. I thought uh, the the one touchdown actually uh, to Gage where he went you know he got across Cheeto's face that mm -hmm. there was no business. Xavier Woods had no business even being in the vicinity. He just made a, an incredible play reading Matt Ryan's intentions. Uh, as soon as Ryan looked left, he was taking off towards Russell Gage. Um, and he was just a little bit out of the, the window. If he would have continued to take a deeper angle, he might've been able to blow that up, but it's so difficult to blow those plays up at the catch point at this point without getting a penalty. And we, we've seen him get penalties, you know, blown guys up in the past, you know, even on some legal hits. So 
Um, that was a, a little bit of a, a high note. He made some some really nice plays tackling as well, which is something that we you know obviously talked about in the offseason was a struggle of his. So I, I wanted to give him his props. Now, I think we need to give someone else, one other player, his props. Um, and I'm going to let you handle that one. And then I'm going to come in and, and supplement. And I think you know who I'm talking about. I have no idea who you're talking about. He's uh, a little bit bigger. He may or may not have been the Cowboys' first pick oh, last Tristan year in the Hill. draft. Hill. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, we were talking about him, I think, during the game or something. But, yeah, no, Tristan Hill played well. Um, I, I think it's still – I mean, again, I'm not going to say he was great by any means, but he's doing what I think the upside in college said he would do, and that is making – four to six splash plays a game whether it's against the run against the pass he's blowing up some plays in the backfield and he'll give up some too I mean I think that's kind of what you're going to get with Tristan Hill you're going to get you know a play where he's in the backfield before the running back catches the football and he's blowing up the play because he's so explosive so athletic uh you know and so it can be so physical um but then at the same time you know he can play with some bad pad level and get you know he can get mushed out of a, a gap and, and give up, you know, seven, eight, nine yards on the ground. I think that's kind of what we saw from him on Sunday, except you saw some of those splash plays more consistently and there weren't as many bad plays mixed in. Um, and I think, you know, just the progression that he's made from year one to year two and how I think he's being much more consistent with his pad level. Uh, with his hand usage and, and his ability to kind of get in the backfield um, and show those explosive traits that he had at UCF. I think he's showing that a little bit more this year. Um, and he's been consistent. I mean, he's been, I think he's been a lot better than Don Terry Poe. I think Don Terry Poe has been probably your worst interior defense alignment so far. Like, and, 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 well, I take that back. Neville Gallimore hasn't had a good first two weeks. He's been getting mushed around, too, in the running game. But Don Terry Poe has done absolutely nothing. I haven't seen him in on any run plays. I haven't seen him eating up a ton of double teams. Like, he's been non-existent, in my opinion. I think Tristan Hill's been the one bright spot on that interior of the defensive line because we haven't seen Tyron Crawford playing out there uh, inside but so much. Uh, Neville Gallimore hasn't done but so much. Don Terry Poe hasn't done but so much. And Antoine Woods is kind of what he is. Um, and Tristan Hill's been the only guy on that interior to to show up, make splash plays, get in the backfield, and 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 call some, you know, wreak some havoc. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with you, and and I just wanted to kind of piggyback off of that. The the splash plays and the the ability to get into the backfield is what made. Uh, Rod Marinelli fall in love with Tristan Hill, um, and it is nice that we are starting to see that a little bit now. We hope to see that from Neville Gallimore eventually. He needed right. work coming into the league. We all, you know, kind of acknowledge that. So hopefully he can turn it around by next year. But you know, like you said, Don Terry Poe. I don't. I don't think he's been horrific. I, I think that he's just kind of been a space eater. He hasn't been quite as good as he has been in the past, and that's been disappointing. Um, the last thing I wanted to bring up about the defense, Jalen had a lot better game. Um, yeah. uh, Jalen had a lot better game. They ran a little bit more man coverage, which helps Jalen out because Jalen's biggest struggles is he's just completely clueless in zone. Um, and so running a little bit more man coverage was a little bit nicer, uh, to him. And then Joe Thomas had a good game. I think he might be your, your best defender period. I mean, he, at least he might've been this past week. Um, 
Yeah, and real quick before we move on to some offense, before we take a break, I mean, I think the most disappointing thing about this defense is how bad the front four pass rush has been. Um, I mean, they just haven't been able to generate a whole lot of pressure with that front four without sending, you know, blitzes. And, and I mean, again, you know, I I know the number, you know, that we were looking at some of the metrics earlier today, and they're, they're actually ranked relatively high in pressure percentage, but it just doesn't seem like it when we're sitting there watching the game. We're seeing the quarterbacks kind of just sit. And again, week one was an anomaly because I think that they kind of just game plan to completely take pressure out of the equation. But they had a lot of opportunities, I thought, to bring uh, to put pressure on Matt Ryan and to, to sack Matt Ryan, and they just never really got all that close. The one sack they did have, um, I saw a lot of people calling that a coverage sack, which I guess you can call it that, but it was also a play where I think Atlanta was trying to you know, put in the knockout punch, and Matt Ryan was smart enough to take the sack instead of throw the ball away or, or throw an incomplete pass and stop the clock. So he took the sack and you know, took some more time off the clock and made it tougher for the Cowboys to score. It ended up not working, but, um, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people didn't even point to the fact that Matt Ryan was probably either going to take a sack there. He was going to complete an easy pass for, you know, knocking the Cowboys out of any chance to come back. You know, there wasn't going to be really anything else in between, whether it was a throwaway or a contested ball that could fall incomplete. He didn't want that clock to stop. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's what it was. I think it was, you know, obviously it was good coverage. Um, but more than anything, like you said, Matt Ryan, just he was okay with taking that sack and letting the right. clock run. Yeah, if that, was, if that was in the second quarter, he'd have thrown the ball away. And, yep. you know, it would have been, we would have, we'd have left that game with zero sacks. But, I mean, again, we're, we're and, not. And, and when you have a secondary that is as young, inexperienced, or just flat out bad as ours is, you, you need that pass rush. Because if you don't right. get it, you're going to have issues. And, and, and that's not- what we're going to see. Right. And the bad thing is, is like you're not getting it from, you know, you're not getting it from Tank. You're not getting it from Everson Griffin. You're not getting it from Alden Smith. You're not getting anything from Tyrell Crawford right now. So it's like they're kind of getting to the point where it's like we either have to be aggressive with our blitz and take chances that, you know, some quarterbacks are going to be able to, you know, like the one coming up next week, he'll make you pay if you blitz. So that's going to be something we're going to talk about, you know, kind of as we progress. But let's talk a little bit about the offense before we take a break. Um, you know, like as we kind of touched on, the offense was a big reason this team was able to come out with a victory. Um, I thought Dak Prescott played another fantastic game. You know, I think he was I think he was really good in week one, but I thought this was a, a clean as it gets game from him. He made some big time throws. He made some big time plays with his legs. He was just in control. Um, if they would just stop making it difficult on him and allow him to play his game, I think we could be talking about Dak Prescott as a top, a surefire top five quarterback after this year. But for some reason, people will, people will still look at the wins and losses or you know the, the close games and and try to form an opinion on that. When if you just take a look at how he's playing and you take a look at the metrics, they say the kid's playing you know as as good as anybody right now. Yeah, I thought that this game was up there with his Minnesota game last season. Um, There might have been more splashes during the Minnesota game last season, but he was just so rock steady in this game. Now, I know that he had the fumble in the first quarter. That was horrific, obviously. Um, That's just a play. And it's a really off... Like, it's not a play that... Dak Prescott normally tries to make like he's Mm -hmm. very careful with the ball most of the time Um, and then he had the one more interceptable pass uh, to CeeDee Lamb uh, who made 
a fantastic play to break up that uh, on the little hitch route. Uh, he just he looked at the the inside linebacker, uh, saw him dropping back into you know a Tampa two style, um, and just kind of thought that he had it. Uh, and the the slot defender just kind of dug in on that that inside hitch route, and he didn't see him coming. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I thought Dak was was masterful the entire game. I mean he hitting passes, you know, quick, uh, longer routes. He was able to, to maneuver around in the pocket. He was super accurate in this game. And listen, we always, you know, come to Dak's defense when it comes to the, his ability as a pure passer. Um, but he does have his struggles throwing the ball, particularly when guys are crossing and he has to, uh, you know, throw it with a little bit of touch. Those passes tend to, you know, be a little bit behind guys. Um, he only really had one pass that I felt was was a little bit off, and that was the one to C.D. Lamb, um, who you know that was really off. That that there was you know no reason for it to be off. He had a couple plays where he was pressured, um, ball fell a little bit flat, but that one C.D. made a great play on third down to to keep that drive going, um, and that's kind of where I want to take this from here. Is uh, I think C.D. Lamb might already be your best wide receiver. Um, I think he's outstanding. I, I He has exceeded every single expectation I had for him coming into the season. Uh, I was already pretty excited for him. Um, but I thought, you know, maybe that, that little, you know, 190 pound frame, he's six foot two. He's a little bit lean. Maybe he gets beat up a little bit. This dude is such a dog, man. He just no, goes out there. Mar- he's not a Mark Cooper. He beats the absolute <laughs> crap out of you. Um, at the line of scrimmage, he's really good. He's good throughout the route stem. He's great at the top of his routes. That route that he had on the out, uh, where he stems outside, comes back inside, and then breaks out and is able to just make the defender fall over. It was a little bit of a push off, but that defender was already off balance, and that's why they didn't call it. Um, he was just he was outstanding. Um, and I'm so so happy that there were 16 other teams, and you know, obviously some of those teams had other needs, but. There were some teams that should have taken C.D. Lamb and didn't. Yeah, one that won one that won a big Monday Night Football game that still not getting a whole lot out of their first round receiver. But yeah, I definitely agree. He was always going to take time though. Oh Ruggs, yeah, Ruggs sure. was always going to take I know. time. I know, but I think I think Oakland would be better off with C.D. than Ruggs. Most definitely. Opinion. But but to keep it on topic, you know, I I definitely agree. I think, and again, I might get some slack, you know, hate for this, but I, I think if CD's not your number one, it's Michael Gallup. Uh, even though the numbers don't say that, I just, you know, Cooper's had multiple drops within the first two games. He's checked himself out of some big third downs with a couple times within the first two games. He did well, have, thankfully, football. thankfully Noah Brown is on the football team. Okay. Let's sure, just, that's let's true. tell it how it is. 85 high stand up. Y'all <laughs> won. We won. We won. We won. We got yeah. him. On this football team, and he came up big in week two when we needed him. He did. He did. He had two two big time catches. Um, the I, the ball that Dak threw on the first catch, the before he got lit up on the slant, was probably one of the best throws I've ever seen from Dak Prescott. Like that was as tight as a window as it gets. Had you're, talking the, you're talking the forty seven yarder. Yeah, the post. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah. it was just it was just an absolute beautiful throw. I mean, the linebackers there, the corners there, the 
the other line, I mean, he, he fit it into the tr- the only triangle he could have fit the ball into. And it's just those are the throws that make me think that Prescott can be an elite quarterback in the NFL if he's given the opportunity to do that more often. Um, I know we're kind of stealing the, the Russell Wilson thing here, but we just got to let Dak cook, man. Like, I hate to steal it. I hate to, well, hate to I be mean, that guy. At, at this point, Seahawks Twitter and Cowboys Twitter are like the same, same thing. thing. Right, right. <laughs> but. But no, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much longer about this game. We're going to try to move on. But like, I was impressed with Brandon Knight. I thought he played really well uh, at left tackle. I think he needs to be your swing tackle from now on because from the one game of Knight and the two games I've seen uh, from Terrence Steele, Knight seems to be a night and day better uh, tackle right now. I'm gonna, and I don't know how he would do over on the right side. But he looked extremely comfortable on the left side. I mean, he wasn't perfect by any means, but I thought he did a really nice job getting his first start in the NFL at left tackle. Um, and he didn't have, I mean, again, Dante Fowler's not a world beater by any means, but he's not some easy assignment either. So I think he did an excellent job um, to to kind of, you know, hold his own and, and really win his fair share of battles against, uh, you know, again, I know they, they move some guys around, but, you know, against some some solid pass rushers, I'll put it that way. Yeah, man. Uh, I thought Knight was okay in this game. Steele was rough. Um, rough. I think Very he gave rough. up four or five pressures. He had three penalties. Three penalties I mean, yeah. You can't you can't really have that and expect to keep an offense moving. Somehow this offense was able to keep moving. Um, I kind of did the breakdown of all their first down plays and how they ended up. Dude, there were so many first downs. I mean, they just marched the ball right down the field. It was pretty incredible to watch. And they're doing a lot of fun things. I, I wanted to bring this up just real quick because I, I think we've given Kellen and, and Mike McCarthy a, a little bit of crap in these first couple of weeks here is some of these, you know, s- schematically, some of this stuff is is brand new from what we've seen in the past. Some of the RPOs that we're seeing, it's not just all uh, run looks. They're they're having one side, you know, the, the actual strong side of the offensive line run block and the backside pass block, um, you know, against a team that runs a little bit of Tampa 2, like uh, – like the Falcons do, that's really, really big because that will have the uh, the inside linebacker shooting back, you know, up the pole, um, and that allows your running back to just kind of have a wide open space. Um, that's what happened on the, the the second Pollard run on the first drive that he just completely missed the hole. Um, and when I say hole, I mean runway, like absolute airport runway. Um, and then another run for Ezekiel Elliott that he took for like 10 or 11 yards as well. So they're doing some fun stuff. There was a, a decent amount of play action this week. There was a good amount of RPOs this week. Uh, they've been particularly good when they go to play action. Um, I expect that to continue. They had more motion this week. It just all looked better offensively. Yeah. And I was going to say, because first week I didn't think so at all. I thought it, you know, I didn't see a ton of creativity in the the offensive scheme and game plan, but week two, you saw the rub routes, you saw the use of play action, RPOs, motion, like you could definitely, I don't love the amount of first down runs. I don't love some of the ways that they're running the football when they do a lot of that stuff first and, you know, early, early down runs. But when they did go to the passing game, it was a lot better, you know, scheme wise. They were, they were getting, creating guys, uh, getting guys open with, with the rub routes. They were using play action to get some guys, some positive looks. And they just, yeah, like you said, it looked to be a lot more in depth offense in week two than it was in week one. Yeah. And and getting down really early allows you that freedom. So I'm interested to see if they can actually stick to their, their guns um, and just let that cook. That would be, that'll be very, very nice to see. Let's go to break before we go to break. We're going to dedicate the first half of that, that 
the show to Dalton Schultz because we were ready to just kick that dude to the curb last weekend, and he came up big. He did have the fumble, but um, he was a big part of that win, and we were dedicating the first half of the podcast to Dalton Schultz because we tried to we tried to put dirt on top of you last week, and you came out big in week two, and let's continue. But uh, we will be right back after break. We are talking the star. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. V-A-N-29.com. And we're back on the Talking Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter, at ConnorNFLDraft. I'm joined by my co-host tonight, Dalton Miller. Give him a, a, a follow on Twitter, at Dalton B. Miller. Cole Patterson, not with us, but go ahead and give him a follow as well, at Cole L. Patterson. I uh, want to always give a good shout out to Blogging the Boys, SB Nation, and Vox Media for uh, giving us a platform to host this podcast, talk to you guys every week, um, and give you our opinions. Get, make sure you're subscribed to the Blogging the Boy podcast feed on whatever podcast pop platform you use um, so you can check out all the different voices, all the uh, different people, and all the different folks on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. But uh, let's get into week three. Seahawks heading down to Seattle, taking on Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, uh, and that that battered Seahawks defense that should be another high scoring game if thing goes as if everything goes as planned. What do you think? Say that again. I completely missed it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said it sh- should be another high scoring game if everything goes as planned. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, well, we were we were thanking our sponsors there, and I completely zoned out for a second, looking <laughs> at my dude. I was just like staring at my ring light. Um, no, it's it's going to be a high scoring game. It has to be. Uh, neither of these defenses are particularly good. Um, I think that they both offenses are going to move down the field and up the field and around the field. I think that if anything is going to really turn the tides in this game, it's going to be uh, a turnover, which. Neither of these quarterbacks really turn the ball over. Neither of these quarterbacks (laughs) really turn the ball over a whole lot, but guess who does? Both these teams running backs. Both of these teams running backs, because as good as Ezekiel Elliott is, and and, and Chris Carson is a lot of the same way. It's when you run the way that those guys run, as violently as they run, they're going to fumble the football a lot. Jonathan Taylor coming out of college, he fumbled like every 45 touches he got. Like It's just the way that it is when you run that hard and you fight for every single yard on every single play. You're going to lose the ball every once in a while. 
And I, I think that that is going to be the, the turning point of this game is going to be one of these plays where Chris Carson fumbles the ball or, or Rashad Penny, if he ever touches the football anymore. Um, I think, uh, God, I, they do, they flip flop running back so often. I can't even keep up with them anymore. Um, Travis Homer was getting a lot of carries. Travis though. Homer did get a lot of carries last week. Um, and they threw him the football a little bit as well. So, um, no, I, I think you're, you're looking at another game that's going to be, you know, 35, 31, uh, 35, 34, somewhere around there, because I, I don't think either of these defenses are going to do a particularly good job stopping these offenses. Yeah, I'm really interested to see because this is another game that that really it really suits well for the Cowboys offense because the Seahawks don't have any sort of pass rushers whatsoever. Bruce Irvin uh, tore his ACL in their week two game, so he is out for the year. Uh, LJ Collier is a rookie that, or a second year player that they drafted last year that has really not developed a whole lot. Made a big play against the run uh, against Cam Newton on Sunday night, but as far as pass rushing goes, he doesn't offer you a ton. Um, and they just don't have, you know, Benson Mayowa and uh, Demontre Moore are like their two other pass rushers, and they just don't offer a whole lot. I mean, Bobby Wagner, you know, he can blitz, he can do a lot, but as far as just getting pressure with their line, I don't think you're going to see that a whole lot, which bodes well for Dallas. It, it bodes well for their ability to put up points. But then, as we were talking about, you have to give the football back to Russell Wilson. And can this can this front four get pressure on Russell Wilson? Because if they can't, he's going to sit back there and pick them apart. And if they can, their corner's got to do a good enough job in coverage to be able to stick with these receivers. And we saw what DK Metcalf could do against Stephon Gilmore last week. Uh, we see how good Tyler Lockett is. So, like, that matchup is what scares me the most, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, with how banged up and how rough the nickel cornerback spot looks for Dallas, like, how are you going to defend DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett um, in that matchup? Because, you know, they have a guy that they can line up in the slot and Tyler Lockett against Jordan Lewis, and that doesn't look to be like a good matchup and then DK Metcalf versus Trayvon Diggs or Cheeto Beowuzie that doesn't look like a good matchup either how can you even defend the Seahawks receivers and quarterback right now well it's it's pretty easy um and I already told you exactly how they're gonna do it they're not they're just they're just flat out not gonna do it um Lockett and Metcalf they're gonna get theirs uh Tyler Lockett and Dude, Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson are a married couple at this point. I mean, he we've seen the, the stats. Russell Wilson had a perfect passer rating throwing to Tyler Lockett. I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year before. Um, so far this season, he's 15 of 16. He's got a catch rate of 93.8%. That is ridiculous. Let me just tell tell you how Russell Wilson has done so far this year. 52 of 63. He's completing 82.5% of his passes. He has a 14.3% touchdown rate. It is so, like vomit worthy how good he has been. If he continues this, he will run away with the MVP, which he has never gotten a vote in somehow. Which is insane. Um, no, it's, it's going to be really, really tough. Uh, you know, DK Metcalf is a big, you know, big time downfield target. He's not going to have a super high catch rate 
He'll probably catch around 50 to 60% of his targets, but his targets are, are 25, 30 yards down the field. That's what he is. That's what he does well. Um, hopefully you see a lot of Trayvon Diggs on him because he does have, you know, that size and physicality size, yeah. to, to, to not completely match up with DK because DK is a physical freak. Um, but he has enough long speed to, to hold his own against DK, you know, especially if they run a bunch of quarters coverage, um, because then he will be already playing off and be able to play, you know, kind of over the top of him. Uh, so I, I think that that one isn't the one that hurts me the most. The one that hurts me the most is whenever they do, like you said, get Tyler Lockett matched up against Jordan Lewis because that's game over, just flat out. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, like, I wonder if going into it, you know, last week was tough because you couldn't double Julio or double Calvin Ridley because you had one of the others, but you also had Hayden Hurst. You also had, you know, Todd, Todd Gurley, which they, again, like Chris Carson's a really good running back. Don't get me wrong, but they don't have that tight end threat to kind of take advantage of the, the linebackers at coverage um, that the Falcons had last week. So, you know, Greg Olson's kind of Will Greg Disley. Olson and Will Disley and Jacob Hollister out here looking all of them. Are, are looking out here like uh hundred year old men like kind of like uh like 82 yeah old man wit baby uh-huh yeah dude greg Wilson, greg olson had a rough game last week um they they actually i don't know if you would call it a bench but they took him off the field multiple times after some some bonehead mistakes which is disappointing to see because he had a great career in carolina but it doesn't look like he has a whole lot left in the tank but i mean i think let me ask you this question. What what do you think? Do you think the Cowboys defense matched up better with the Falcons or will they match up better with the Seahawks? Because I'm more scared of the Seahawks, but I think they actually match up better with the Seahawks than they did the Falcons. The Falcons have more weapons overall, but I am terrified of this quarterback. Oh, and that's even... really all that that's really all that matters at the end of the day is the quarterback. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, I guess, you know, I guess when I look at it like I can give, you know, I can put digs on Metcalf and have Woods over the top to kind of limit his and then hope that, you know, Jordan Lewis or Chidobe Awuzie or whoever is going to be lining up. Because Tyler Lockett plays, you know, he's not just a slot guy. He plays outside. He, he plays inside. He plays in the backfield. Like, that dude's going to be all over the place. And I, I don't feel great about covering him one-on-one, but I guess I feel, I don't know. It's tough to say. It's pretty, it's pretty 50-50 because... Calvin Ridley's a stud. Tyler Lockett's a stud. Julio Jones is, you know, a, probably a surefire Hall of Famer, you know, best receiver in the league. DK Metcalf is still, you know, not going to put him on Julio's level yet, but, like, that dude's an impossible cover right now. Um, so, I mean, it's tough, and, and their offensive lines are probably close to being the same. So it's going to be a very similar matchup. I just think, like you said, the, the quarterback's probably the deciding factor. And if you put pressure on him and don't allow him to pick you apart and you bring him down and you don't let him run for 200 yards, I think you might match up better with this this offense than you did in week two. But that's a whole lot of buts and ifs. <laughs> yeah, man. And then, you know, for just, you know, kind of going over to the other side of things here, it's Jamal Adams and Bruce Irvin for for pass rush. And that's about Probably it. Like, Bruce Irvin's on IR. Oh, did he, he get hurt this yeah. past week? He tore, tore his ACL. 
Damn. Okay, yeah. so it's that's, Jamal that's Adams. That's what I started it with. They don't have any pass rushers. Yeah. They don't. They it's don't. Just, I mean, Benson. Yeah, Manuel, I, I thought. I, yeah, Moore. I thought you just. Yeah, I just thought that you for forgot about Bruce Irvin. No. Uh, yeah. No. He tore yeah. his ACL on on Sunday night, and he's out for the year. And I mean, like I said, it, it's it's Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner on blitzes, and you know. Jerron Reed probably is probably what you're going to be seeing a lot of, but it's not, you know, it, it's not going to be a whole lot regardless. I mean, Cam Newton had all the time in the world last week to pretty much do whatever he wanted. And, and that's, I mean, that's what this team's built on is their offense. And if they aren't, you know, if, if they do have to go with two backup tackles again, I feel confident that this team can, can play offense to a point where it could lead them to a victory if they don't get themselves in third and long situations by running a ton on early downs. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I think I want to bring up is that I think it would be hilarious if they went out there um, and Jamal Adams had like three interceptions. I mean, it'd be, it would be terrible for us, for our brand, for loving <laughs> Dak Prescott. Um, but just to see Jamal Adams cover um, against the team that, you know, we, we were, Still bring it up. We still bring up Jamal Adams to be a cowboy. Um, it comes up on the radio about once a week. Um, and my good pal, RJ Choppy, um, always brings up that, you know, Jamal Adams is a box safety. And I would love for Jamal Adams to, uh, to, to rub that in his face a little bit. The Cowboys obviously still get a win. Um, but, but it, it, that would be okay. I would, I would, I would be okay with that. Even, you know, even if that means that Dak Prescott doesn't have a great day, just, just like one he, week, just one he, week. You guys got a lot of issues over there at the radio station. So you, we don't have gonna... any issues at the radio station, sir. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's entertaining. Uh, we are getting into fights with players, former players. Um, it's, it's, it's outstanding. It's great content. Love it. Well, it is going to be the Everson Griffin revenge week in week three. So hopefully, I hope it is. I hope he plays good. I do too. I do too. And I I think he will. I think he's going to come out guns blazing and and, uh, he's going to make everybody feel bad for what they've been saying. But, um, did you really talk about that? What? He's got a, he's got a little bit of violence in his background, man. Oh, my goodness. Talking about guns blazing. Whoops. Got Pac Man out here at the bar. All right, we we better get out of here before we get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, we we've 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 had we're we're up late. We've been talking too much, and now we're getting into to some stuff we probably need to get into. So we're uh we're gonna get out of here, and we're gonna be back next week to hopefully talk about the two and one. Go Cowboys. Cowboys! That'd be great. We can go two and one, play three pretty good teams. I'd be pr- pretty pretty happy, pretty excited about that. But uh. It'll take a big-time performance from this offense, and it'll need the defense to step up a little bit, and hopefully we won't fumble five times. But if all that stuff doesn't happen, we'll be back next week to talk about a Cowboys victory in Week 3 against the Seattle Seahawks. We'll see you guys next week. We are Talking the Star.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.